Hey, Matt Lawton is in our house today. Let's get it. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, hey, what do you say? Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube today, we have a very special episode for you. I mean, it's going to be special audio, too, but this is rolling live, which is a lot of fun. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to get through this stuff real quick here. Uh, Feel free to be active in the chat, in the comments. We'll hang out there answer some questions if you have some good ones. Also, too, if you want questions answered during the seventh inning stretch on the regular show, don't hesitate to ask. Send them to me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren at Locked on Twins. DMs are open, and after pretty much every game, you can find the Locked on Twins Breathless Post Game Minute. And always listen to the end, because that's when I share the stat that you are not going to hear anywhere else. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Create a an account on the game time app and use the code locked on MLB for $20 off your first pitches purchase. Gosh, I'm messing her up today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed twins, Red Sox, six forty on Tuesday evening. It's Bailey Ober and cutter Crawford. You can get every pitch of the twins hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app with Corey and Danny, just by searching twins, now that we got all that stuff out of the way, Mr. Matt Lawton, it is so exciting to have you on this show. Oh, man. Nice. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, you bet. We had AJ Pierzynski on, I want to say, last week. We've got Marty Cordova coming on when he gets back from Spain. Oh, wow. Which, uh, nice, yeah. yeah, right. Real, uh, <laughs> real nice little trip he's on. And in the meantime, we're going to talk to you about a little bit of everything, first and foremost, for Twins fans who watched you coming up, what are you up to now? Because, you know, you've been out of the game for a little while. Uh, AJ's doing some video stuff. I don't know what Marty's doing yet. We'll get to that when he's on the show. But what keeps you busy these days? Man, a whole lot of nothing, man. I'm uh, just hanging out with the wife. My accent, my, my kids graduated now, so he's back at home. Uh, just hanging out with those guys and, you know, just, just, just living life, man. Like, traveling a little bit here and there. Um, I, I don't go to Spain or nothing like that, like Marty is. <laughs> but um, I hit a couple – couple different places here, from here here and there. You you ever get back to Minnesota at all for any reason? I sure have, man. I, I need to get up there. I've been saying every summer that I'm going to come up there and see the new stadium. Yeah. I want to come check that out, see the boys play and stuff like that. But um, hadn't made my way back up there just yet. You, you think it would be a little weird having played in the Metrodome all those years to come up and see not only what's on the Metrodome grounds right now, which is U.S. Bank Stadium, but an entirely different stadium and just kind of think about you know, that was what they were pushing for back when you guys were playing. No and doubt. to kind of see that come to fruition. Would that be weird for you? Would that be cool for you? Or you, would you be kind of cool. ambivalent? I think it'd be pretty cool, man. Just, just, just seeing the new stadium and just seeing. I don't know if I want to come up during the, you know, the month of April and stuff. I, I'm sure it gets pretty cold. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a lot of cold days up there in Minnesota. So, But right right now, it's probably the perfect time, isn't it? Yeah, it's upper 80s. Uh, might touch 90 today. So it's plenty warm, Good. which I'm sure you recall. Uh I want to take you all the way back to the 1991 draft because you were part of what was a loaded class for the Twins. Now, for people who watch the MLB draft, which actually is coming up here pretty soon, 
a big class or a really great class might be five or six guys making the big leagues and having nice careers or even just making the big leagues. So that year, the Twins took David McCarty, Scott Stahoviak, Latroy Hawkins, who I'll ask you about later, Brad Radke, Pedro Grafal, who, if I'm not mistaken, is the manager of the White Sox right now. That's right. And then in the 13th round, Mr. Matt Lawton, one of, I think, four guys who made the big leagues from that round. What what was that process like? 13th round, you get a phone call, you get a, a FedEx letter. What what was it like then before? You know, we weren't doing the cell phone thing quite yet. Yeah, yeah, I think I got a phone call at home. And um, it, was, it was really exciting. I was sitting around all day just waiting to go because, you know, they told me, you know, you might go anywhere from, you know, one to ten. I mean, of course, ten to to – to whatever, and I was like, man, hopefully I can get in that top ten. But I, I, I didn't make it. But I was, I was right outside of it, and uh, I was really excited when the Twins drafted me. Was there any influence from the fact that your brother played in the big leagues? I mean, did you have any different expectations, or did that shape your feeling about the draft process and the early pro process at all? I mean, did you lean on him for information or anything? Oh yeah, he he, he laid the blueprint for me, man. You know, he like I said, he went in the sixth round. With the to the Mets, and uh, he pretty much told me all you know what what I should expect. You know, once I got into the minor leagues, he you know just told me what I had to do. You know, try to put up numbers, try to try to advance through the system as quick as possible, and um, you know everything worked out pretty well. So I remember hearing about you know when you first came up, how you had a brother who had played in the big leagues briefly and, and had been in the minors for a while. In fact, your careers did not overlap by that much. I think he was out by ninety two. Um, his 1985 season though, is one of the craziest seasons I've ever seen swiping 111 bags and being caught eight times. So I knew he was fast. I had heard he was fast, but that fast, that efficient. And then to be in a place long enough to steal that many bases. I mean, there's just so many things that, uh, that had to be just an incredible season. Oh, no doubt. I remember Mr. Ryan would always tell me, man, if I could combine you and your brother, I would have a back of a player because <laughs> because my brother couldn't hit. He, he could hit okay, but he wasn't a hitter that I was. And but of course he had a pretty good arm and he had uh, really good speed. So uh, like like I said, if we could have combined and been one player, we could have made a lot of money. Yeah, no no yeah. question about it. Um, so thirteenth round, you got to kind of prove yourself. It's not like, I mean, David McCarty got drafted ahead of Manny Ramirez. That's kind of something that sits with him, I'm sure, to this day. Um, right around Manny Ramirez. I don't know if he was before or after, but it was right, it was right around there. Um, the 13th round pick, you got to kind of force yourself onto the radar. I'm sure, you know, obviously they like you enough to draft you, but, um, you know, you have a, a really strong season at Fort Wayne in low a, is that kind of when you felt like you were on the radar? Was it Fort Myers the next year? I mean, the numbers 400 on base percent is just incredible. No doubt. I mean, I think when I first realized I was a, I could compete with all the good guys. Um, it wasn't Fort Wayne. Uh, I wasn't playing every day, but I, I, I put up some pretty good numbers, and and I, I figured I'd be on my way to playing on the everyday role on the next year in Fort in Fort Myers. And um, and luckily, I, I got got a chance to do that. And um, the Twins put me on the forty man roster a year after that. So everything, man, came, it's, it happened really fast. But it, it was definitely good good for me. A random aside, is Gus Ganderillis the best name of a player that you ever played with? Oh, it's got to be right up there at the top, man. Gus yeah, is yeah. a cool guy, too. Great, great, great dude, man. Funny guy. He, he was a good guy to be around. Yeah, and that was a team that had more 
pitching that made the big leagues. This season was incredible for Latroy Hawkins. And we're going to talk again, like I said, about Hawk a little more here in a bit. But 15 wins, again, to be somewhere long enough to win 15 games, 206 ERA, more than a strikeout per inning when that wasn't that much of a thing. Right. Um, I bet having a front row seat to that was special. Oh, yeah. I, I would love to see Latroy when he take them out, man. I knew that night we had a great chance to win the game. You know, that year in Fort Wayne, he, he was pretty masterful. Man. He was on. He he, he, every night when he went out there, he, he had his good stuff working. And uh, like, you, like you said, he put up a great year. Yeah, he ascended very, very quickly. Uh, so you come up with Latroy, And I think Latroy had one of the most incredible careers, not only in longevity, but the thing that I keep coming back to is his age 29 season was actually 28. Would have mm-hmm. been 2001. So the last year you guys were together in Minnesota. Going into his age 29 season, he had a 5.78 ERA for his career. Even if you add in that 2002 year where he was really good, career mm-hmm. ERA 5.38. If wow. someone told you that guy was going to play another 14 or 15 years, what would your reaction have been at that moment? Well, you know, you know pitchers, they, you know, they, 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 they tend to hang around. They find a niche. And I think once Latroy moved to the bullpen, you know, start closing a little bit. I think, I think that was his niche. You know, he he got in there and got got comfortable. And you know, he's such a great guy. People yeah. love to have him around as well. You know, he's he's definitely a mentor to a lot of young kids, and uh, he he's continuing to do that today. You know, he's working with a lot of kids, and you know, uh, putting the kids in the right direction. And and it, it definitely didn't surprise me that he went out and played as long as he did. You know, he's had that rubber arm. He could throw all the arm never mm-hmm. hurt. So it, it it definitely, you know, he's a great athlete kept himself together, always ate well. So he, he had everything to to have a long career. He did everything right. Great. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. Let's take a quick second, talk about Game Time. We talked about the Game Time app at the outset. Again, it's just if you're stressed about buying tickets and you need to get them last minute, go to Game Time, the app or gametime.co, not .com. Look through the app and there's events in your area. If Minneapolis is your location, you can find things at the Guthrie, you can find things at the, you know, any, anywhere you can imagine outside of even Target Field, U.S. Bank Stadium, any sort of event you want to go to. And they also, too, have this thing called the Game Time Guarantee where you get the best price no matter what. So if you find a comparable ticket someplace else, same row, same section, they'll give you 110% of the difference. So you can see a picture of where you're going to sit and give you an idea of your sight lines. Don't want to be like at old Tiger Stadium where you'd end up sitting behind some of those beams under the overhang. Uh, I bet you have some memories playing at Tiger Stadium. Um, but download the Game Time app. You can snag the tickets without stress. And use code LOCKDOWNMLB, 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms do apply, but again, create an account in redeem code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today, last minute. Tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now you don't think I would let you get out of here without talking about TK, right? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, my guy. No. <laughs> so you played with, I don't know if you remember, but Greg Olson for about a half an hour back in like 97. Right-handed reliever, yeah. uh, mustache, beard, whatever. Okay. Um, so he and I hosted this podcast for a while, and I hope we get it going again called That 90s Baseball Pod. And basically the concept was I grew up watching baseball in the 90s. 90 to 99 was a really fun era for me. And I don't know that the game ever changed as much as it did in those 10 years. Because you go back to the beginning of the 90s, 
and it was your fast guy leads off and your shortstop can't hit. And by the end of the 90s, they're starting to figure out on base guys at the top of the order. You got your your truck drivers in the middle driving home runs. Your shortstop, if he can't hit, hits ninth. If he can hit, is A-Rod or Jeter, Garcia Parra. Mm-hmm. The game changed a lot in that era. Um, so we had that show, and we had one guest in our history. So we had Buck Showalter. We had Paul Molitor. We had all kinds of guests from that era. We had one guest who did not do Zoom with us, who oh, did wow. not have a cell phone, and we had to call a landline on Skype. I bet you can get guess who that, that guest was because we were just talking about him. Wow. TK. Well, okay. TK. <laughs> oh, yeah. I no believe. cell phone. No, no cell phone. So we had to call him on Skype on his home phone and get this. It's already hard enough to dial a phone number because it's on the screen. Oh, yeah. He had one of those solicitor. If you're a solicitor, you must hang up. Otherwise, press one to talk to whoever you're trying to call. Right. And the problem is that screen disappeared for pushing digits. So I'm losing my mind. Like, this is the biggest interview I've had. Maybe maybe Terry Ryan, like five years before, that was my biggest yeah. interview. Yeah. But I'm so excited. You know, I grew up watching these teams, and I might lose him. And I, I don't think he's the kind of guy who has a lot of patience for that kind of okay, stuff. So, no, no. <laughs> so I was I was not loving the idea that I might not get TK, uh, oh, but we got him. So how did he handle you as a young player? Because I've heard stories that he could be difficult. Um, you know, guys like Todd Walker come to mind. AJ talked about, and I brought it up, uh, that catching situation. Basically, every catcher before Maurer, it was like six of them at once kind of converging and kind of sorting them out. Uh-huh. Um, how did TK handle you as a young player? You know what, TK, was he was cool with me because I, you know, I, I wasn't a top-round guy. You know, those, those first-round guys, th- those are guys that, that, that he gave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he was hard on those guys. He kind of, you know, I was one of those underdog-type type guys, so, so he, he, he kind of – had a, he had a lot more patience with me than I thought he would, and um, he, he was you know he was hard on me at times, but it was, but it was definitely well needed, you know, because you know he he, he pushed the right buttons and uh, he definitely uh, made me a, a, a good player. And um, I always said to tell him thank you, man, because he he taught me a lot about the game of baseball. Would you call it tough love? Tough love. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would definitely say him and Terry Crowley was. Um, yep. He was coach. like hitting coach and. and you know that I don't know why, but they they, they like me for some odd reason. And uh, like I said, they gave me a lot more chances than I probably deserved. And um, and I definitely, I definitely appreciate those guys. So your first big league plate appearance comes hitting in front of Kirby Puckett. Was that? I mean, granted, you know, maybe didn't grow up a Twins fan, obviously, but you had been in the organization long enough to know what a big damn deal Kirby Puckett was. Um, you pinch hit for I think Pat Mears, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what's that like though? You're like, you are in the on-deck circle, Puckett's in the hole, but you know, he's going to bat behind you. Is mm-hmm. Any kind of butterflies? What's that first plate appearance like? Cause you came right. in as a sub. No doubt. I was so nervous, man. I told everybody, I told my family, it's like, man, the first fastball I see, I'm getting after it. I'm jumping on that joker. Man, guy threw me a fastball right down the middle. I was so, so nervous, so, so shaky. I couldn't even swing. I was, I <laughs> ended up taking it. I was like, man, you gotta be kidding me. I stepped out. Of course, we didn't have the pitch clock back in those days, so you can step out yeah. and take the time. And um, I think it was the next day, though. You know, the next day, I kind of got it myself, and I got my first big, big league hit, and it, it was definitely pretty exciting. Yeah, I think that TK, and maybe I'm remembering wrong, I feel like he liked to get guys' feet wet, like in the game before or yeah. – 
uh, you know, he'd maybe ease guys in. Also, too, we had Jeff Rebelay on the show, the other show, yeah. and he talked about, too, how it was a little easier for him to play for TK because the expectations weren't there, and he just did his job every day, and that's really oh. all TK asked of you. No doubt. Jeff Rebelay and Chip Harrell was his favorites. You know? yes. I, I don't know if he kind of saw himself in those two guys, yeah. but he would definitely th- – those are those are his he, – he, he, he took care of those guys. <laughs> I mean, they were two good guys that played the game the right way, and I, we, we'd always mess around with them and say they wanted to be like TK. You know, yeah. they say the same stuff that TK would say. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was it was just cool just to be around those guys when, when they got together. Well, and those guys were like the patron saints of utility twins. You got Al yeah. Newman before, and then yeah. after, before you get to Punto, you got Denny Hawking, who was a, oh, a legend. Yeah. I, I, I kidded with him that he was the best number seven in twins history when we had him on. He thought that was, that was pretty good. Yes, sir. Um, so your next – Afternoon, you have your first big league hit. Now, Mike Myers wasn't he a nasty lefty, if I recall, kind of a situational guy. He was um he wasn't as nasty as he was late in his career. Later in his career, okay. he started to throw side off. You know, when I got my first hit off of him, he was over the top. You know, okay, more conventional style, and um, you know, I was glad to get that over with. I think I, once I got my first hit, I, I the game started to slow down a little bit, mm-hmm. got a little easier, and um, went on to have a pretty good September. Yeah, uh, the Twins have a history of guys having strong Septembers with their call-ups. And, you know, it doesn't always mean they're going to have a big career. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, Glenn Williams, Tommy Watkins, actually Watkins is the third base coach now. Uh-huh. Uh, Jose Miel Pinto, Chris Parmalee, you could go on for days. But um, <clears throat> one thing that September is known for, and it's the night that you hurt, hit your first big league homer, was the Kirby Puckett situation with uh, Dennis Martinez. Yes. What do you remember from that night? Not that I suspect you want to talk about it too much because it's obviously a, a, a sore spot for anybody who was in the building, but I wasn't watching that night. I was nine years old, and for whatever reason, I, I missed the game. I used to watch them every single one, right. um, but my mom saw the highlights, and she said I was glad I wasn't watching. No doubt. It was it was just nasty, man. You know, Kirby was in, and he, you know, Dennis Martinez threw a little sinker running up and in on him, and man, he, Kirby just didn't get out of the way. He got, yeah. him, got him really good. It was a nasty shot. Um, and, you know, and I remember that, you know, like I said, I hit my first home run. And, and usually on ESPN, they always show everybody's first home run. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, but that night, you know, it was, it was more Curry Puckett getting hit in the jaw type thing. And um, it kind of took over ESPN. And um, kind of, you know, my home run was put on the back burner. Yeah, no, I and I mean, it. I suppose part of it is like you, you, you want that shine because you've played your whole life for that home run but at the same time too that is the franchise and so your your attention is kind of divided there um and then the next spring i mean how 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 much did it rock the organization for him to be done because i mean 96 i know you guys weren't going to be you know world beaters but you'd put together a pretty nice roster um Mm -hmm. you got out and got uh molitor uh, I think Greg Myers was going to catch. He might have been there 95, actually, so forget that. Um, but they, they had added some talent, and then they had young guys who could throw hard. Uh, LaTroy yeah. comes to mind. What was the vibe like when you guys figured out it was like, oh, man, Kirby's probably done? Man, I'll never forget. Uh, you know, we was, I was coming into, um, into the complex, and um, Kirby and the doctor was driving out. And I was like, you know, I wonder where Kirby's going. And that day, you know, it's cut down day. So I was sitting in my locker for sure, like, man, I'm about to get sitting down with AAA, AA, whatever I might yeah. go. You know, and um, just sitting there, just sitting there, and time goes by, and it's almost time to get dressed. I'm like, man, I better get dressed. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not getting to sit down. And then later on, you hear that, you know, Kirby couldn't see out of one eye. 
Mm-hmm. Even at that time, I didn't think it was going to be something serious. But as time went on, you know, the, the news didn't get any better. You know, figured out he had glaucoma. And um, I was on the opening day roster that year. You know, I was the guy that actually replaced Kirby. And I was like, man, you know, this is – and I get a hit. He, he'd run up and down the dugout. Yeah. I'm, I'm Wally Pitt. You know, him, Matt Lowe's about to Wally Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> well. he, he was making a big – you know, but he, he was still fun to be around. He was still had, had that – you know, like charisma, he, he he brought so much energy to the game. And then it was just sad to see that he, uh, you know, because actually I back the story up. I think the night before, he said he couldn't see out of one eye. I want to say he had a homer, straightaway center. Yep. You know, and then the next day, you know, he couldn't see. It just all happened so fast, man. Yeah, I think they said he had two hits off Maddox around that time, too, in spring training. Right. Um, yeah, he's seen the bat really well. He sure so was. strange. So were you – I think was it still twenty five man rosters then? Were you the twenty fifth man basically, or or did you? Oh, yeah. uh, so you really yeah. did that. That roster spot really did open up for you. It opened up. I mean, if, if wow. Kirby if Kirby didn't have glaucoma, then probably I probably wouldn't have. I don't even know if I've ever would have made it. I just got an opportunity there and you know tried to make the most of it. So you played a lot of right field in Minnesota. You moved around a bunch and then moved around later in your career. I think I saw you played a bunch of left too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously. There was a time when I think Jock was playing center and Tori was playing a corner and then they flip-flopped. Um, wow. Was right field your best spot or was that just kind of where you fit at the yeah, time? Yeah, I mean, just kind of where I fit. You know, like you said, Tori and Jock, those guys were really fast and um, cover a lot of ground. Wasn't that much ground for me to cover over and right, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little easier for me. And, um, I didn't, you know, of course, I didn't have a right fielder's arm, but, you know, I could get rid of, you know, playing infield all those years. I could get rid of, catch the ball, get rid of it pretty quick. So yeah. I could um, – you know, kind of got by with that. Well, and you could use the turf to your advantage. I think Jock did that more than anyone, where he'd skip it on the turf, and it would, uh, it wouldn't lose as much oomph as if it was on grass, for instance. Right. Um, right. How long did it take before you felt comfortable playing the baggy, like the the right field fence and that corner? You know, a lot of guys could hit triples down there, even though it wasn't a big no area. Uh, how long did it take you to feel real good about playing there? It took me real, real, really long because I, when I first came up, I remember going out there with uh, Jerry White. You know, he oh yeah, we get there early in the in the in the like around two thirty, three o'clock, and you know, man, he he'd be out there hitting us balls all kind of ways. You know, we 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 got we got pretty comfortable with that with that outfield pretty quick. Nice. Uh, there was a time when the Twins also too, and and you played a lot of these years where the all-star game representative rule of every team having a rep uh, played heavily. You know, Ron Coomer goes one year and a few other guys where if it was, uh, you know, if the rule didn't exist, those guys may not have made it, but you got to represent the twins in 2000. Right. What was that like? I mean, obviously it's got to be a big honor, but at the same time too, is it just kind of surreal? You play against these guys, although NL yeah. it's less so with the interleague, but um. It's got to be kind of surreal to represent your team at the All Star Game, right? It was definitely surreal being in the same clubhouse as guys like, like you said, Manny Ramirez, Derek Jeter. You know those guys, man. I, you know you, you play against them and you're like, oh man, okay. But then to be in the same clubhouse, to be on the same team, I thought that was pretty cool. And at Turner Field, besides, which is hard to believe that they've already replaced that stadium. I just, man, I, that that stadium was I thought was legit, man. It was, yeah, it was great, great, you know, great location. I mean. uh, I remember that was a lot of memories of that stadium. You know, we had a lot. It's close to my house. You know, yeah. we had a lot of family come down. We had a lot of fun that week. How, so I don't know how sensitive of a subject this is going to be, but, you know, you come up with all these guys. You're part of the group that saves baseball in Minnesota, and I don't say that lightly. 
but then you get traded in 2001. Was it hard to depart knowing what you guys had meant to the city? And also too, you know, the team looked like they could make the playoffs that year. They ended up falling short. Yeah. Uh, was that, how, how difficult was that for you on a personal level? Well, I, at first, you know, I didn't think it was going to be too difficult, but um, yeah. Like once I got to New York and got away from the turf, you know, it, man, so many hits were taken away. You know, mm-hmm. so you hit, hit the ball, and it, you know, all, a lot of balls I hit to right field would have been off the baggie or over the baggie. You know, mm-hmm. it, just, it, it just didn't happen in New York. The you know, wind was always blowing in. It was, it was, it was a little bit tougher. I said, like, man, I missed the dome. You know, <laughs> so I because you always go to the dome, and, you know, you go over on the road, you come home and chop a hit or something. Yep. You get an infield hit, you make something happen. But um, in New York, it, it, it didn't come like that. You just had to earn everything you got. I don't think young fans have an appreciation for the chopper off the plate oh, that wow. would spend about, I don't know, 20 seconds in the air, it seemed like. I think oh, Christian yeah. Guzman made a living out of doing that. Oh, no doubt. Man. He'd, have, he'd have seven or eight of those a year. And he was definitely, Zach Jones was pretty good at it, too. He chopped yep. them up there. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, man. He chopped them up there so high. Yep. get them legs going. He, he got down that baseline pretty quick. How, how hard was it to watch though, as the twins kind of go on that three year run from Oh two to 04 again with most of your guys or a lot of your guys. Yeah. I mean, did, did, did part of your heart kind of stay with them? Like you're kind of rooting for them or no, yeah. was it kind of like, all right, I got to start something new. No, I, I was definitely rooting for them. I mean, because um, I remember coming back to the dome. I think can't remember who they were playing and, the dome was an electric man. It was the first time you see the dome like that in the playoffs. You know, I come back watching the game. It, it was definitely fun to see those guys finally winning. You know, it was it was you know a little part of me is like, man, I wish I was out there. But at the, yeah. at the same time, you you glad those you happy for the guys that's there. Did you ever know Rick Reed? Nah, I never really met him. I you know he's the guy I got traded for. I, I right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just didn't know. I mean, because you know we hear about the trade, and and part of it is like. Yeah, you go you go down in history as traded for a guy, but you you may not even know him, and especially a league to league trade like that where you'd play that team once every three years, and it would be right. a home and away. And so, I mean, I I didn't I figured you probably didn't even know him. <laughs> well, you know, of course you you seen him pitch. You know, I think once I got traded to Cleveland, I think I might have faced him once or twice. Okay, yeah, so um, got a chance to to see him work a little bit. What was the vibe like with that two thousand one team? knowing what was at stake and knowing again, like I think what did the, what did the sports illustrated thing say the team that saved baseball in Minnesota or something like that? Like, do you take a lot of pride from that? Cause I would hope so, but I don't know how you feel about it. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it was one of those teams, like I said that year, you know, cause we, we weren't expecting to do much, you know, of no. course, you know, every year, you know, but we were winning and, and got off to a pretty good start. And, um, and, and, and people started to, you know, of course, rally behind baseball a little bit. And like you said, you know, th- things definitely turned around for the Twins. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, that was a team that it was the first winning team I had watched because I started watching the Twins in 93. Uh-huh. So coming off 91 World Series, the year you were drafted, 92, they were pretty good, but no wild card. And then from that point on, it was pretty rough until that 2001 season. Um, so that that fact that I did not have to grow up watching the twins and then seeing them leave, uh, especially in light of the North stars leaving when I was even younger, was, was really good to see. Um, before I let you go. And I don't know. One of the things I try to pride myself on is asking questions that you probably haven't been asked too much. Okay. Um, how do you think your skill set would be valued in today's game? If I, I feel like if you would have come around 10 years later, 
Yeah. The concept of this guy gets on base nonstop, plays a good corner outfield. Um, you know, you did well for yourself in your career, both in terms of stats, money, et cetera. But I feel like there are players who come up in an era too early or too late. And I feel like maybe a half step too early yeah. for you. I was definitely too early, man. I mean, because, you know, I came up with, you know, I, I remember my first year of arbitration. You know, we, um, of course, you'd go there and, man, mm-hmm. they would compare me to guys like Tim Salmon. Um, <laughs> Very different. Yeah, you know, Sammy Sosa. I'm like, man, God dang, you know, because we all play right field. Yeah. Like, you know, then it kind of put pressure on me to try to hit homers. You know, in today's game, you know, they don't really care about hitting homers. You know, they want you to get on base and score runs. So mm-hmm. I was definitely good for that. You know, if I'd have played in today's game, I would definitely be one of those. I mean, look at Luis Arise. I mean, of course, he hits for average all the time. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, he, he nobody forces him to hit homers. You know, right. I, I think I, you know, not, not to say I could have did it as good as him, but if I would have just tried to hit for average and didn't care about the homers, I could have hit for, for a pretty good average. What is your overwhelming metronome memory before I let you go? Like, what what comes back to you when you think of that place? And again, flattened no longer exists anymore it's just kind of all in our heads that's where i had my season tickets when i first got them i mean is it uh is it still a special kind of place in your heart even though we all kind of thought it was a dump oh man i love that place man. like i said i love <laughs> in there nice yeah i love playing there I, I love the you know the you know walking into that stadium you know you had your special way to get in there you know you, yep I, I remember sneaking in there to a couple football games you know because we nice we, you know the vikings game we, we walk right the same way we were walking to the clubhouse and we walk right down to the field Yep. <laughs> it was definitely pretty cool. You know, by halftime, the security guard was like, hey, man, you guys aren't supposed to be here, are you? I was like, no, nah, we had to go back up to our seats. But it was always a, definitely a cool place to play, uh, place to play, and um, always always be dear to my heart. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll hang on to you for just one second here. Again, Twins Red Sox on uh, Tuesday night, 6.40 p.m. It's Bailey Ober and Cutter Crawford. You can catch every pitch on the Twins hometown broadcast, Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search Twins, and again, thanks for making us your first listen every day. If you're an everydayer, check us out tomorrow. We'll have a full breakdown of what we hope is not another soul-crushing loss for this Twins team, which can't seem to get anything going. They could use a Matt Lawton at the top of their lineup right now. Um, <laughs> that would be great. I don't know if the I don't know if the phone is ringing as much as it used to, but uh, I'll put my people in touch with your people, and we'll see what happens. Um, You can subscribe, like, give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening or watching. Hang out in the comments and send us questions for the seventh inning stretch. Matt, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. And people should know, I contacted you and you were very quick to get back, quick to set a time. I appreciate that so much. Oh, man, no problem, man. Like I said, I'm just happy to be able to be on your show, man. It was was, was a good deal. Yeah, so we're going to – well, maybe we'll find a way to have you on again if there's time, if it works out for your schedule. Uh, again, follow us locked on twins at Brandon score. And this is Brandon Warren signing off saying thank you so much. And don't forget to stop by tomorrow.